Hello, TSF family. We wanted to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for your hard work to love yourself more and for your feedback. Can you believe it's been three years that we've been doing this spiritual fix and it has been such a beautiful labor of love for Anna and me. We have loved doing this work. We've loved hearing from you and we love exploring ourselves and each other alongside our listeners. We wanted to put out the call for three ways that you can help support us to support you. One, we would love you to leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. Two, drop us an email and let us know how much the podcast means to you. And three, you can donate monthly or even just once to our PayPal patronage. Every little bit helps and we are so grateful to those of you who have donated already. Thank you. You help make this podcast possible. Thanks, y'all. You can go to our website, www.thisspiritualfix.com for information on how to pledge as well as to email us. In today's episode, Anna is going to be talking about grace and the three key things about how the only way that you can ever experience grace is by being nothing. How do you be nothing? Good question. Stay tuned to find out more. This spiritual fix. Two mystical mamas hacking the self-help game. With Anna Fiddler. And Christina Wilson. This spiritual fix. This spiritual fix. What is this spiritual fix, Anna? The spirit, This spiritual fix is the fix that we're all seeking. <laughs> yeah. We're all getting high in the... It, we're getting high off what truth and love and shadow work. Yeah. And it's also a play on words because of the fact that like both you and I have come to recognize that there is no fixing anything. Like I read something today, like you don't get past your issues. You just get big enough so that your issues move past you or something like that. Like changing the perspective, right? Like there's nothing to fix. There's nothing to fix. So it's kind of a joke, but it is especially because over the years, both you and I have done a lot of spiritual fixing. Like whatever was the coolest thing that we could find, we were just like, let's do that. Oh, that's so amazing. Yes. And um, I took one of Matt Kahn's courses. I love Matt Kahn. And in that he has this great analogy. He says, you know, people think of their spiritual practice as a car that they're tinkering with in the garage. And they're like, I want to get this and I want to get that. And I want to fix this and I want to fix that. He's like, just get the car out of the garage and drive it. And I feel like a lot of us do that. We're constantly looking for things in us to fix. Yeah. Things to add away, take away, but like, just drive your car. Yeah. And that's the funny thing. Um, uh, in our next episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about, um, some of the most popular meditation sex and like the ones that borderline cult. And like, they definitely touch on that whole thing of like, I'm going to fake it and then never even make time to make it. Like, you know what I mean? Like it just becomes this kind of thing where you're like just talking about the spiritual fix and talking about how you're so happy and yet you don't actually get a chance to experience it because you're spending so much time fixing yourself, fixing yourself and creating this fake light for others. If you know what I mean? That is for another subject. So what's been going on in your life? What's up? Well, this week I wanted to talk about grace 
Yeah. Um, if you remember in the last time that it was my turn to talk, I spoke about having a vision with this monk who in essence told me all about acceptance and, um, how accepting everything as it is, is the key to joy really. And I've been playing with that this week, which was awesome. I, at one point, for example, I got, you could say rejected over the phone about, about some issue. And I was totally present in my feelings of rejection and I accepted them fully. And it was just like he said, behind that rejection and sadness was this overwhelming surge of joy. And I'm like, that's what he meant. He said, if you just accept it all, you're going to find that there's joy behind. It's not sadness or joy. It's both. Yeah. I was just listening to a a song in the car um, by Depeche Mode and it's called I Feel Loved. And it's like, through the pain and the emptiness um, comes a feeling of inner bliss. I feel wanted. I feel desired. I can feel my soul on fire. But there's also, there's like, and then it just says, I feel love. Like it's like through the, through the pain and the suffering, through the heartache and trembling, I feel wanted. I feel desire. I can feel my soul on fire. It's like this amazing, it's an amazing song. I absolutely adore it. But it's like, it has that same idea of this idea of like through all of the suffering, ultimately I just feel loved or I feel joy or I feel it's behind whatever this it all. is. It's behind it all. When you accept it and let it flow. Yeah. I have had a really hard time of that this week. I would love to think that I like had a, um, you know, kind of a, it's definitely not been easy lessons at all. Like I've just been thrown into this, um, kind of gauntlet. I, I have this concept of this thing called the medicine of place in which when you're in a place it has, it has a certain amount of karma that it, it, it feels it has the opportunity to kind of let you experience, right? And I'm in a situation right now where all my family's in the same place and it will probably be, be the last time that happens for years, if ever, right? It'll never be like it is right now. And we're coming to the end of this like very because intense year. Because your sister's year. moving and your parents are following. Exactly. So I've been triggered so many times in the last like two months by everything that's happened. And finally, it was like, so I was in meditation on, I guess it was three days ago now, and I didn't even get a chance to tell you this, but like I was in meditation and I was feeding, I was like, I'm going to do a feeding your demon, right? Cause I could feel self-hatred about like, cause what happens is like every time I go with my family, I feel this feeling of like not liking who I am with them. Can we explain what feeding the demon means? I will. I'll totally explain it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But so ultimately I was trying to, to recognize the fact that I had this massive kind of demon of self-hatred that always showed up whenever I ra- I'm around my family, because I kind of joke that my family is, it's like, we don't allow each other to have enough space to like mess up. We're just like all so close together and we have so many fuses and so many matches that you never know if you're just going to like accidentally turn around and just like light someone's fuse. Right. And then you don't even know it. And then you don't even hear about it. And then all of a sudden, like weeks later, you have to kind of deal with the consequences of accidentally lighting someone else's fuse, even though we all know that we're kind of constantly triggering each other. And what we need to do, this is Luke, my husband said this yesterday. He was like, you guys just need to give each other more space to be like, oh, that's, that's that, what that person does. Isn't that funny? Let's just forgive that and just be like, ha 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 ha. Anyway, feeding the demon is a process in which you, instead of trying to, to banish or destroy your demons, you actually succumb to your demons. Like you feed them whatever it is that they need and whatever it is that they want, because it's another way of accepting a part of yourself as opposed to trying to say like, oh, 
because banishing a demon and banishing a pain body or banishing like any of the different names that we have for these things, it doesn't really, it just kind of delays. Right. You're suppressing it. You're you're trying to suppress that aspect, which you've personified as a demon. Yeah. So what are the steps? Well, it, the, the, the steps come from a book called Feeding Your Demons, Ancient Wisdom for Resolving Inner Conflict. And it comes from a woman named, I'm going to butcher this, the pronunciation, Tultstrium Alion. And she's one of the few female Buddhist leaders in the country. She's comparable to Pema Chodron. And um, the Feeding Your Demon is basically you choose an aspect of something in your life that's bothering you and you personify it. So in your case, it was Mm self-hate. I've done it before. I, I was like really, you know, thinking my husband should do this. My husband should do that. So I personified the romance cop demon, you know, Mm -hmm. like I have a romance cop demon and she's over here telling me what he should and shouldn't be doing in the name of love, you know, which is so silly because, you know, who wants a cop in your marriage? But anyways, the point is... So basically you personify the issue at hand. In your case, it was self-hate mm-hmm. and you close your eyes and you visualize them coming to visit you and you have a conversation with them and you ask them what you want and you basically just give them everything that they want. And in the end, they either dissolve or they will turn into what she calls an ally and they'll bring you a, a message of deeper understanding. And the idea is that we're always unconsciously fleeing from our demons mm-hmm. that we never actually just stop and say, well, what's your message for me? Because it's in that listening to your message and not fleeing from it that you can actually make peace with it. You can and accept stop, it. Yeah. And stop, uh, accept it and stop the unconscious running from it, which as we know, the more you resist the stronger it gets. So that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. So this was an interesting one because what ended up happening is, uh, I kind of, I, this is where it gets weird. Um, I saw that I had some sort of like metal, it felt like some sort of technology on my spine, like that my spine was made out of metal, which is interesting because I have this, like I went through this kind of process of finding my inner dragon and all this kind of stuff. And my dragon was made out of steel. It was made out of metal. Right. And so what ended up happening was that kind of, I got an ally from this experience of feeding my demon and they pointed out the technology that was on my spine, the metal technology that was on my spine. And then they upgraded me to crystal and then my dragon turned into crystal. And it's been really strange because like in the last couple of days, I've just been like, I've been cutting ties, like all these really old tethers that I have to like my self-value, like giving myself value to my family, giving myself value to like, I feel grown up. Like I literally feel like I grew up in the last couple of days. Like I'm just no longer like, I don't know. I think there was a part of me, a very strong part of my inner child or something like that, that was always seeking validation in the projection of my family. I do not give a fuck anymore. Like I literally, I, and I feel grown up. I really, I honestly feel like I'm an adult for the first time. I felt like imposter syndrome in adulthood for, I've been an adult for a long time now, like 20 years. Uh, but, uh, it's, it was really amazing. So congratulations. Yeah. That's that my big. Week. So grace. Grace. So, um, when I had the breathing session with that monk last, uh, which I discussed last, uh, second to last episode, So he said that there's three different ways to remove resistance, Mm -hmm. conscious resistance through awareness in Mm -hmm. the present moment, unconscious resistance through removing mental patterns and habits and belief systems and trauma from the past. And then he said the third way is grace, but he didn't tell me what great that meant. And it's funny. I was, I was in my kitchen 
And it suddenly dawned on me. I was just washing, cleaning the kitchen. And I suddenly dawned on me like, oh my God, he didn't tell me what grace was because he wants me to experience what grace is. Um, so before I get into that, I just wanted to just talk about grace according to different, yeah. different religions or perspectives, right? Mm-hmm. So in my research on grace, I found that in Buddhism, they believe that there are bodhisattvas that come to this earth and they will give grace. I think they do, do it through darshan where they touch the finger, you know, to the, to the third eye, or it's through a look or a a touch. Mm -hmm. But the idea is that grace can be bestowed on you. If you just come in contact with the right, the right master or the right, the right bodhisattva. According to Christianity, grace was already given. And that was the salvation of man was that grace has already been given and humans are already saved. And since I was not raised Christian, I really don't understand this one. Can you explain? Yeah, I can, I can do a bit more. It's because it's a really fascinating concept, um, especially in the way that it can kind of get a little bit convoluted because to me, grace in the Christian idea is that grace is the Jesus, Jesus as the savior came and he basically said, I'm forgiving you your sins. So if you think of grace as the act of releasing karma, so you don't actually have to experience it or the act of releasing sin. So you don't have to actually experience like the consequences of it, which is to go to hell. Then Jesus said, I'm gracing you with a a free ticket, like a get out of jail ticket. And so anything, as soon as you believe in me, this is for obviously like certain sects and it's different. And I don't know enough about Catholicism and all these different things to be able to tell you the difference within Christianity, especially between Protestants and Catholics, or then all the different sects of Protestants. But the basic idea is that God bestows grace, has bestowed grace on anyone who believes that Jesus is Savior as their Savior. When that happens, and as long as they kind of maintain the things that they need to in Catholicism, or as soon as they're born again with born-again Christians. You get your get-out-of-jail-free card. Yes, thank you. And, um, And so once you do that, then you're good. The thing that I find is inconsistent is that grace can be bestowed randomly, like in the sense of like, you know, sometimes I think it's equivalent to the experience when you and I have like a revelation of some sort and we're like, oh, I get it. It's like all of a sudden something lifts so that you can go higher to understand something because it's not, grace is, is not about like things being less bad. It's about you being more accepting of them. Well, according to Hinduism, there's really, it mentioned what I read, that there's not much about grace and that self-realization is something that needs to be earned. Right. Um, As far as Islam goes, it says that that, um, the road to paradise is not through deeds alone, that Allah must grant grace. So in Islam, there's a combination of the two. You must... You must have the self-realization and the good deeds, and then Allah will also grant you grace. Oh, that's interesting. Going back to Hinduism, I remember Yogananda, right? So in autobiography of a yogi, he talks about grace and about how his guru, Sri Yukteswar, he had to do a lot of work. I feel like Yogananda, and this has been a while since I've read this, but Yogananda had to do a bunch of work. And then Sri Yukteswar was like, okay, now I'm going to grant you this experience of samadhi and I'm going to grant you this experience. And in order to be able to have the samadhi, this like higher experience, he needed to get rid of a lot of karma that Yogananda had taken on. And so he actually took his karma 
onto himself and he got sick after that. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was like a experience of like the guru. Again, it was like almost like a mixture of the Buddhists where a guru had to go and say, I will actually take your karma. It still has to be meted out. Like it still has to express itself, but I'm choosing to express it instead of having you to have to express it. Very interesting. I had this big debate with my husband when we were dating about this because he believed strongly in grace and I believed strongly that I had to earn it through my diligent Vipassana meditation. And we had a lot of uh, deep debates about that. And in the end, I, I, uh, I agree with him that grace is possible. All right. So back to the kitchen. I'm in my kitchen and I have this realization. Oh my goodness. The monk wanted me to experience grace. He didn't want to tell me about it. So the issue or thing, I guess you could say I've been working on the most or most aware of lately is that at the core of like all issues, abandonment, fear, rejection, self-esteem, being good enough at this, good enough at that, at the core of it all is actually just self-hatred. Like self-hatred is an octopus with many arms. And at the core, at the head, the head of all of these, all of our conflict is actually just self-hate. But there is no hatred. There's just resistance. So it's like resistance to self. So I'm like, I want, I want grace. Like I want to be given grace to remove self-resistance. Like why do I, why do I resist myself so much? Because it all comes down to self-resistance. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree? Mm-hmm. So I'm in the kitchen and I'm like, aha, he wants me to experience grace. And I hear him in my ear and he's like, yes, I do. I want you to experience this. Get on the floor and kneel. And I'm like, my kids are in the other room. <laughs> Uh, watching TV. My husband's working. I'm like, I don't even care at this point. If a monk's telling me to get on the ground and kneel, I'm going to do it. So I get on the floor and I kneel. Like I get in that position and I put my head, he's like, put your head on the floor. I put my head on the floor, very grounding. He says, be humble. And I'm like, okay. So I start focusing on being humble and I'm like, I'm humble. Like, I'm humble. I am. And, and getting in that position really helped. Cause I'm like, I'm so low. Like there's so much above me. Like I'm going to mm. just be humble. And I was getting really in touch with that feeling of humility. And he's like, make it bigger, expand it, magnify it. And I'm like trying to cultivate humility as strong as I can. And I'm feeling it. And then he says, okay, good. You know, I got the sense like you got it. And he says, I want you to say over and over again until you feel it. I am nothing. And I'm like, okay, I am nothing. I am nothing. I am nothing. And I just say it over and over and over again until I'm like, oh my God, I feel it. Like I'm nothing. Not in the sense of like, I'm a bad person. I'm a nobody. I'm low. It wasn't a value thing. It was a it was a, I don't really exist thing. Yeah. It was an emptiness. Like you're not even the vessel that holds everything. It's just like, exactly. It was kind of like this wall around me kind of like broke and I kind of like, there's nothing like I'm nothing. I get, you know? And then he says, he's like, when I get to that point and I'm crying at this point, I'm nothing. It's kind of (laughs) beautiful. He says to me, okay, now say, I accept that I am nothing. And so I'm again chanting, with my head on the floor. I accept that I am nothing. I accept that I am nothing. I accept that I am nothing. And it was feeling so good, like so much resistance releasing. And I got to the end of that. He says, now forgive that you are nothing. And I start to forgive. I say, I'm forgive that I am nothing. I forgive that I am nothing. Like I forgive that I ever thought I was anything. And I forgive that I am nothing. And I do that over and over and over again until he says, okay, good, good, good. Now say, I am grateful that I am nothing. 
again, go into it crying now. I am grateful that I am nothing. Like I'm like grateful I get to participate in this illusory world where we think we're something and we're just nothing in this sea of nothing. And I'm grateful for it. And I'm just like, I'm grateful to be nothing. I'm grateful to be nothing. And in the end, I just felt really good Mm -hmm. and really happy. And I feel like I came out of that experience understanding like, why do we, what is the head of the octopus? We resist ourselves. What do we resist about ourselves? The fact that we're actually nothing. And like, we're afraid to let go of who we identify with. We identify as mother, um, you know, career person, the person who likes to eat this food, the person from this country, the person who speaks this language, this person who looks like this, like we identify with so much. And when we can recognize that we're really just nothing, we have to like all these identities just shatter. Mm-hmm. And I think that's extremely scary. And I think that's what the head of the octopus really is, is this resistance to the fact that we are none of the things that we think we are. That, no, I think it's not, a, it's not, it, it's funny. Cause I, I agree. I think on one level it is very scary. And I think on another level, like when I, when you told me the steps and I did it myself, I was so relieved. It's relief. Oh my God. It's so relieving. <laughs> like, like fuck. I'm nothing. Like who fucking cares? It's so relieving. Like I literally was like, oh my God, this is what makes sense. I was like, this is, and, and it's like anytime, cause I like have a fair amount of depression that I experienced. And I felt like I, I was in kind of like almost a, like a minor depressive mood at the time. And I did that practice. And then afterwards I was like, holy shit. I don't feel depressed anymore because I feel like depression is like the step above just being like, I am nothing and I love it. And I am so relieved that I am nothing. I am so relieved to be nothing. I would love to make this like a daily practice. I've not done it a lot since then, but it is just so relieving Mm -hmm. to be like, I am nothing. But well, anyways, and in that context, I feel like I was given grace, you know, when I was given grace in the sense that I was given a jewel by, by some omnipotent or enlightened being, I was given this jewel of a message. And that was my grace, which was just, Hey girl, you're nothing. <laughs> Don't be so full of yourself. Right. And, and, and he also said, didn't he also say that the only way you can bestow grace is if you are nothing, right? Oh yes. He yeah. also said when I was like at the end, he said, grace can only be given to nothingness. And I thought about that a lot. What does he mean? Grace can only be given to nothing, to the nothing. I'm like, well, if you're full, there's no place for the grace to go, you know, but if you're empty, you can be that chalice, that cup to receive nothing. And that's why humility was the key component too. Like, let's be humble. Let's recognize we're nothing. Let's let ourselves be filled up by something greater than ourselves. Yeah. And I love how you were telling me about how I'm never going to remember the name. Sukiyo Mahikari. What is it? Oh, uh, Sukiyo Mahikari. Yeah. So what are the tenets of Sukiyo Mahikari? That I'm are not similar? familiar enough with this to know, but our, we were, when my children were babies, we were blessed to have a nanny who had been like a high priestess in the Sukiyo Mahikari Japanese religion. Mm-hmm. And the three major tenets are acceptance gratitude and humility. And I don't know enough about it to speak on it. It's a great thing to look into, but. Right. And I just think it was great. Cause, um, like I remember you took me to the temple, the like what, Kari, yeah. right when Tamlin, when my son was born, like when we had moved back to Atlanta and I loved it because when you go into, um, they were so excited to see us, even though we were bringing like four kids who were all really young and, and loud and loud. And they showed, um, the orange, 
like in the in the the foyer they have like a, an orange that's been sitting in a jar for two years that didn't have light given to it like didn't have the thing and then they had one that was like mostly still preserved right because they give light that is like their fundamental teaching is like give light into the world it's kind of like reiki but i'm not sure how it's different it's much different they say it's much better but i don't know what it is exactly yeah yeah but that's it's i love to see those parallels between like you were basically told the process of receiving light right which is the process of of acceptance gratitude and humility starting with humility then going to acceptance then going to gratitude and i think that forgiveness has a lot to do with acceptance i think that they can kind of like i think that it helps for us to distinguish the words and say this is acceptance and this is forgiveness but right yeah forgiveness is a little bit Beyond acceptance. It's like acceptance with a, a dash of grace. <laughs> with a dash of grace. I like that. Yeah. And actually, I'm going to talk about that in the next episode, so we can go into that more. But that's amazing. And so you felt, how have you felt after this? Like, how have you felt with grace? Nothing. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, I feel grateful. I feel really grateful. I feel like the walls of my self-resistance are, are coming down. Yeah. I think... There's so much more to it. I would love Grace to just take them all away in a quick flash, I guess, like the way it did for Eckhart Tolle or, you know, other people, they get the instant, instant Grace removal of karma. But I think that's very rare. I think the reality is it's a slow, slow, slow climb and, and I'm grateful for what happened. Yeah. I'm grateful to recognize that I'm nothing. Yeah. Does, I think Eckhart Tolle said, I feel like he gave an explanation as to why he had that really quick one. I think he wanted to kill himself. He was well, in the self-hate. Like he was well, in the self-resistance. He was in self-resistance. And I think it was something like, it's like when you get so low in suffering and you were so steeped in suffering, then something just snaps. And that is what is like, that is what can do yeah. it to you. Right. Like is like this idea of not that we're necessarily going to dive deep into the darkness in order to get to the light, but like that is definitely a practice. It's a very legit practice that a lot of like yeah. a lot of shamans in particular or shamans as they say in England um yeah I think he like folded into his self-hate and he was like totally in it and like who is this in here yeah. and he just surrendered completely and accepted completely that he was full of self-hate I think from what I remember in the power of now and then he went into some sort of cathartic darkness and when he woke up he was just different I think that key key thing that you were saying is that grace can only be given to nothing So go back to the original religions that you're talking about, right? And even in the ones where you need self-realization, I mean, isn't self-realization nothingness? Right. Isn't self-realization coming to just empty yourself of all your shit? Exactly. And so making yourself more and more of an empty vessel. Right. So Jesus was saying, I mean, like, you know, if, if you kind of, if I'm, I'm going to hybridize this a little bit with the course in miracles, which is a channel document from Jesus. Right. So it's like, yeah, okay. I'm not like a true fundamental Christian in that respect, but the, you know, one of the things that they talk about in the course of miracles and what they talk about in some Christian interpretations of the Bible is that Jesus talked about forgiveness and he talked about all these different things, but you know, they kind of go on to say that it was Jesus could see us as we are. And because his vision of us as we are and of himself as we are was so clear, he couldn't experience any pain because he like literally didn't have anything. He had, he had nothing. He was so nothing. He was so with God in a human body that he was just like looking and he was just like, you know, he wasn't suffering up on the cross. Like we use the cross as a crucifix as the image of, of Christianity, which is so terrible. And it would be amazing if only the 
interpretation was he actually isn't in pain. He is not suffering for our sins. He is recon- He is going through this to recognize that he is not in pain because he is nothing. And because he is nothing, then therefore we are nothing. And that is how he forgives our sins because he's giving us a model in which we can see that there are no sins to forgive. And there is no death. <laughs> <laughs> that too, right? Right. Right. And... <sighs> So yeah, I guess in conclusion. So this idea of nothing actually reminds me a lot about a book I listened to maybe 10 years ago called Zero Limits by Joe Vitale. And he studied under a Ho'oponopono master in Hawaii. And in it, he talks about zero limits. Like you want to get to zero. You want to get down to nothing. You want to remove it all out because at the bottom of nothing is zero is love. Have you, are you familiar with Ho'oponopono? Just kidding. I know you are. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about your Ho'oponopono experience? Uh, yeah, it's funny. Cause, uh, what I love is that, I mean, this is what always happens, right? Is that like you learn one thing from one thing and then you realize that all these other people are doing the same thing and just you're different like, names and different techniques different names, for the right. same thing. So the best reference for Ho'oponopono is the Tracy Chapman song. So the Tracy Chapman song, Baby, Can I Hold You? And it's like, baby, can you hold me tonight? Da, 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 da. And then it says, she I'm, gives all the steps I'm of Ho'oponopono. Right. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I love you. She doesn't say thank you. She doesn't say thank you. But it's implied you. with the beautiful song. Yeah. The beautiful song is the thank the, you. The great beautiful song is the thank you. But the steps being, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Forgive me. I love you. Thank you. In different orders. But Ho'oponopono is, comes from Hawaii uh, originally. And you may actually know more about the history of it than I do. Um, but we can put more in the show notes and a link to where it actually goes with Ho'oponopono. But the idea is that forgiveness in particular. I, I see Ho'oponopono as a, as a healing process that triggers massive change within us because what it does is it says like the, the kind of version that I do of Ho'oponopono is this, it's called true forgiveness, right? Is like the name of it. And it's something that comes from the Course in Miracles. And it's this idea that like that there actually isn't anything to forgive, right? Like there's like this whole idea that like, it's the same thing as what Jesus is saying with sin. Like there's no sin, right? Is like, you actually haven't done anything wrong, which is really hard to, if you're, if you're on the level of form, if you're on the level of interaction, you're like, of course I got hurt. I need, I need, or somebody hurt me. I can forgive them. I have the power to forgive them. But it's like, no, actually what it comes down to is that there is nothing to forgive because you're already perfect. You never stopped being perfect. And you're just like that, that total person who can't suffer, who's like sitting on a crucifix and can't suffer or who's sitting in a chair and can't be hurt. That doesn't mean that you go around and you like hurt everybody and you're like, oh, well, everyone's perfect. Because we still live in this world. We still live in the illusion. So, you know, I'm sorry says, I'm sorry. I'm Um, sorry that I am a co-creator of this reality in which I perceive error. I'm sorry that that we have co-created this hurt together but it's going to give us an opportunity and then asking for forgiveness. But I think it's also also actively giving forgiveness because I mean, that's the thing with forgiveness, right? Like you ask for forgiveness. It feels it, like sometimes it feels a little bit weird to me, like, because you're like, please forgive me. And then all of a sudden they can just like continue to hurt you by not forgiving you. And then if you make it conditional, you know what I'm saying? Like if I'm trying to say like, the only way I'm going to be okay is if you forgive me. Right. My understanding of the saying I'm for, forgive me is I'm saying, forgive me for believing that there was ever any error in the first place. Yes. That's it. Yeah. I'm sorry that I helped co-create this world where I, I inferred error or wrongdoing. Uh, forgive me for believing in that 
for believing in the duality, for believing in this illusion. Yep. I love you, meaning I see who you truly are and you are me and we are nothing. Yep. And then thank you. Thanks for this awesome game of illusions. <laughs> right. And, and, let, and giving me the chance to heal that part of me. And the point is, is like you can do Ho'oponopono to anything. You see horrible things on the news. And if they are part of your reality, you need to forgive them because you have co-created them. If they exist in your reality, it's because you've drawn them there into your reality to be forgiven and healed. Exactly. Exactly. And so paralleling back to grace, I'm sorry, forgive me is humility. Yes, that's true. Right. Um, And then you have, uh, I love you. And then you have, I love you. Right. So then you, and then you have, um, so you have acceptance, right? I feel like yeah. Forgiveness and I love you. Forgiveness and I love you is, is acceptance. And, and then obviously perf- gratitude. And perfecting it, seeing it in its perfect state. Right. So again, there's literally the fifth thing I think that we've talked about, maybe the fourth thing that we've talked about that follows these same three steps. Yeah. <laughs> like in some humility, form or another, humility, acceptance, acceptance and, and gratitude. gratitude. It's a beautiful, beautiful trio. Yeah. And Tracy Chapman says it best. (laughs) (laughs) If only we had the copyrights to just play that song. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That'd be so nice. Um, So yeah, I think that, I think it's really important and it's not an external thing. I think that's important for us to say too, is that like, I can, you know, when I'm talking about like, please forgive me, I feel like you just need to say it to yourself. Like, please forgive me self. Like, you know, whatever, whatever part of me thinks that I did something wrong that needs to be forgiven or whatever part of me that feels as if I've harmed something. It's like, actually, I, I just need to say this to myself continually. Like, oh, yeah. I'm like, it's just always directed like, yeah, it helps to direct it to other people because that may help. But it's like a self-practice. It's a practice of like you becoming the person who is who is wrecking, who's cutting through all of the Maya, the illusion and just saying there's nothing to forgive right. and I love you and I feel love. And it's a great practice to do when you're not charged just on anything and everybody, but it's a great practice to do when you're upset with someone and look at them and think, and you in your mind, just look at that person, you know, and you say it like a, someone told me about the abusive father and I've not met the father. And I just like conjured up that father in my mind and thought of all the horrible things he did to his kids. Mm-hmm. And I just kept saying, I'm sorry, forgive me. I love you. Thank you. Which sounds really odd. Like, why am I thanking this abuser of a father? But it was more like, I'm sorry I co-created a world where there is the victim perpetrator. Exactly. Forgive me for believing you're bad and like believing in this duality. Yeah. I mean, like you said, everything that comes into our existence, when, when you get to a certain level of and this isn't level as in like, I mean, I kind of think of it as a level in the game, right? Where it's no longer about stealing other people's energy and it's no longer like you kind of get over that whole, like this person wronged me and they have to pay kind of vengeance thing. Even if we all fall into that, it really does come down to everything that comes into your existence, whether that's the hatred of a political figure or seeing a whole bunch of people dying somewhere or being stuck in traffic or being stuck in traffic or it's, it's like you, the analogy you gave was like a, a spindle, like a receipt spindle and you just got this crank mm-hmm. and it's just rolling, 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 like feeding, 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 like everything falling into your awareness, everything in your reality on this timeline, this endless spindle, it's just there for you to forgive and love and accept, forgive a love and accept. That's the whole game. Yep, that is the whole game. All right, we're done. We're done. Bye. (laughs) We don't need to talk about anything else now. Just do that. And we're just going to do that. And then in a couple of years, the world won't even have to exist anymore. Bye. Bye. 
like this episode, be sure to rate us so that we can get on new and noteworthy because we are a brand new podcast and we're really trying to do some good stuff here. Also, you can like us on Instagram at this.spiritual.fix. Thanks so much and have a wonderful day. Let me tell y'all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer, one girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it, and all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, Book a free call with me at www.chriswilty.com forward slash discover.